0: Hi, y'all. I'm Alicia. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and an Al-Anon, and it could go on and on and on.
1: Hi, Alicia. Hi.
0: I'd say double winner, triple winner. Um, also recovered bulimic. I mean, it did. literally, the gamut is, is very wide as far as all the things that, that were dealt to me, I guess. But the cool thing is I'm recovered from all those things. And the power of God has come in my life and um, changed me from inside out from the woman I used to be. Um I was sitting here last night as we began um the songs and kind of looking around the room going okay what am I doing here I don't know anyone <laughs> and we're singing and um <laughs> and so later that night they were having the the candlelight meeting and something told me just to stick just to stay don't go back and lay down I was tired but I wanted to stay and It almost brings tears to my eyes. I don't know why, but I had asked God, okay, God, if there's a reason I'm supposed to be here this weekend, show me what I need to do. And so a table, this table right here, full of women that I didn't know. And um, within an hour, we we all knew different faces, different cities, but it was the exact same story and how cool it was just talking about the power of God. with total strangers and no longer strangers. In fact, I, I went back to the cabin and Becky was using her little nightlight and almost asleep. And I said, hey, the meeting was awesome. There's a bunch of sick women here just like me. And, <laughs> and I felt at home with all the sick women that were here. Um, it truly is an honor to be here and, and to speak. They have me down as an Al-Anon speaker and I looked at Becky and I said, I don't have the best experience in the world with the Al-Anon side. I mean, it's a huge part of my story. It's, alcoholics have been throughout my life, um, but actually working the program part has been a, a recent miracle. So I um, hope I don't offend anyone with um, alcohol and drugs part of the story, and then we'll get to the, the Al-Anon miracle that's happened recently, if that's okay. Um, originally from San Antonio, was um, born and raised there, and came from a good home, private school for 10 years. Uh, missionary's daughter. I mean, I was the perfect little <laughs> angel. And um, at about 14, I just started feeling just not okay inside. Something was off. Um, one of the, the outside looking in kind of things. I always wanted to be part of the cool group and not. And nothing was changing that until I found alcohol. And the ease and comfort that the book talks about was absolutely instant. It was like, this is cool. I'm the life of the party. Guys like me more. You know, I can finally talk to the girls that wouldn't talk to me. And and I got the the liquid courage um, that I needed. And um, by 17, I'm a full-blown blackout alcoholic. And one night after a six-month relationship had ended with this boy, I was so devastated. It was love. (laughs) Six months, high school, that kind of love. But I was devastated, and the only solution I knew to fix the way I felt inside was to get wasted, and I did. And um, in a blackout, hit a telephone pole at 45 miles an hour. Um, Three months later, I leave the hospital, um, head-to-toe injuries, scarred head-to-toe, just torn to pieces from what alcohol had done to me. And instead of looking at this and going, oh, man, God, you saved my life. Thank you. I turned from my wicked ways. I said, screw you how could you let me live like this because see I was so ugly inside that I had used my looks for so long because at least you'll look at me you may not like me once you get to know me but I'm gonna use this all I can and he had taken that for me and that's what I thought and so I had an anger towards God that, that was deep and began to turn and go the opposite direction instead of not drinking anymore and realizing my error there um, I, I started getting deeper into it and Got back to high school my senior year, and that was just all I was going to do now. It was like I, I couldn't stand the way I looked. The, the, the spiritual malady that the book talks about was just eating me alive inside. I hated the person that I was, and the only thing I could do to quit thinking about the person that I was was to get wasted. And um, the drugs began in high school, but the drinking was the main deal. And left high school and went to Southwest Texas, and they, <clears throat> they drink a little bit there they were my kind of people so I took it a step further and I joined a sorority (laughs) and I lived in a sorority house and they too drink a lot but the interesting thing in retrospect is I remember looking at these girls you know we'd be going out somewhere and here I am taking shots and chugging beers just to get right to go out and these other girls are just eating dinner and I'm upstairs just gotten gotta get right inside before I can even walk out the door and Every single time, it never failed. Even though I set out to act like a lady, (laughs) something happened. And I found out later what happened was this phenomenon of craving that kicks off that I can't stop. I can't control the amount I take. And the book says we watch others take these drinks with impunity. And that's what I would do night after night, just watch these girls have two beers, get a little giddy, and have fun. Why am I the one dancing on the table, doing things I don't remember, waking up the next morning and they're all going, God, Alicia. I'm going, what? No, really, what? <laughs> what did I do? And, and this went on and on as my disease progressed. And it blew me away. Am I defective? Am I, am I evil? Why am I doing this to myself? I had no clue about the disease at this point. Um, ended up dropping out of school. Uh, couldn't do it anymore. The book talks about how we are intelligent in every respect, or I'm paraphrasing here, except for the effect alcohol on, has on us. And I was um, Dean's List three point six seven my last semester and that's serious drinking and and it was amazing to me that i could do so much and yet where alcohol was concerned i i was a failure and um after i dropped out of college i started getting into a little bit of cocaine and it was the same thing we would get a small amount before pe- four people were going to play some cards and here i am fiending for more and these people are going, God, Alicia, we got to go to work tomorrow. No, come on. And I'm just going, no, 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 it's only one. We have to be there at seven. We got six hours. Come on. Let's go. Licking CD covers, looking at the table, absolutely insane. Hmm. And again, couldn't figure out why am I different than these people. Um, I have a, an ex-husband And as as he entered the picture, it was a sight. Um, Karen was sharing about her love that she ran into last night. And mine had just gotten out of the penitentiary for five years straight for alcohol and drug charges. Um, Had beat the girl before him quite a a bit. Had no job, no money, no car. And he was all mine. (laughs) And I loved him, and St. Alicia was going to turn this man from his wicked ways, and he was going to come into my life. And I I made a decision based on self, like the book talks about, that later placed me in a position to be hurt. Um, but I, I thought it was love, and within, you know, within six months, the physical abuse begins. And I'm, how could, how could he do this to me? He loved me. <laughs> he didn't love me. He's extremely sick. And the cocaine uh, just increased and increased. and. I find later that I'm, I'm looking back, going, "My God, why did I stay?" Because I ended up staying for five years. And anyone who's been in those sort of relationships, you know, I can't explain the mental control that this person had, but it was insane over me. And um, one of the truth I had to come to is he could get the dope, and I was willing to stay there and put myself through that as long as the alcohol and the cocaine would continue to flow. And that that shows you how much I felt about myself. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't worth anything in my eyes. And um, in the middle of our relationship he got put back in the penitentiary go figure you're on parole they don't like you doing cocaine i don't understand (laughs) but he gets put back in the penitentiary and i was determined at this point to to stop drinking and doing drugs and um i have an alcoholic mother at this time and i find now that this is where my al-anon story begins i never even thought about that in the past that they've been in my life forever and i've learned to cope and deal and manipulate and control from a very early age Um, my mother had become my drinking buddy at, at um, about 16 or 17. All the parties were at my house, and um, these I was telling the ladies here we'd have these tequila fights, you know, just wasted on tequila and pulling each other's hair, just insanity. I had a stepfather, God bless him, who was in the program, and he'd try to get between us and talk to us about AA. And I'd throw beer on him, and that was my first even hearing about AA was from my stepfather, and my mother and I just weren't going to have it, he was a loser. And uh, little did I know what a loser I was. Um, so when my ex-husband gets put back in the penitentiary, I'm you know staying away from my mother. I'm staying away from all the bad people because that's the reason I'm drinking. And I decided to get into church because um, I'd, I'd known about God my whole life. But it had kind of been forced on my throat in a sense. And the fact that this, this man had such a control over me that here he is in the penitentiary in Beeville and I'm sitting at home shaking, waiting for his call because if I'm not home, he's going to kick my butt. And it's like, wait a minute. Now I scratch my head later and think, he was in Beeville, I was in San Antonio. He couldn't have got me. But at the time, it was it was just amazing what a, what a shell of a woman I had become. And um, for a year and a half, I stayed dry, uh, going to church, and out of fear of this man. And the book talks about how we build up. Again, paraphrasing, we build up an outlook for our families, and we, everything on the outside looks great, and then we tear it down with a senseless series of sprees. And that's what I did while he was in the penitentiary. Oh, let's step back. When he was in Bear County Jail, I thought what would change our life is if I married him. So, while he was in his orange chute at Bear County Jail, I made it up to the second floor, posing as a intern missionary, and we had a ten-minute ceremony. It was beautiful. I, really- I mean... How romantic! We haven't gotten to kiss in six months because he's been locked up, and we get to kiss on our wedding day, and it was just a beautiful thing. And for some reason, my family didn't see it that way. I just, I just didn't understand. I was heartbroken when they didn't grab me and say, "We're so proud of you." Um, so, we're married now, and and that's going to change everything. He won't hit me anymore. We'll quit doing cocaine because it was it was ruining our lives, and that was my my plan then. And. Um, you know, had never been the good Al-Anon, never told anybody about what a monster this guy was. Would make up a new excuse every time there was a new bruise or a new something or why we didn't have money for this. It had nothing to do with him because I want, I want them to think he's an angel. And again, I look back going, God, I've been doing this Alanon crap, excuse me, this Alanon stuff <laughs> for quite some time trying to change people and make them who I want them to be and then lying about who they're not. And, um, he gets out of the penitentiary and he's on an electronic monitor. So we're gonna stay sober. We can't leave the past, house past seven. It's gotta work. <laughs> within a couple of months, within a couple of months, we're just kind of looking at each other, crawling out of our skin. Because I realize now that the drinking and the alcohol, or the drinking and the drugs, were not my problem. When you have it out of my body, I'm cr- I'm dying inside. Because that's what I was using to fix the black hole in there. And now I don't even have that, and I'm totally untreated in any form and going crazy. And I remember. Looking at him and saying, how about a glass of champagne to celebrate you getting out of prison for drug and alcohol charges? Wait, 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 wait. That doesn't sound right, but to me it was perfectly sane. And that glass turned into bottles, and that bottle turned into the dope man dropping the stuff off at the house. And within that year and a half on my own, I'd been moved up to team leader of administration of a dermatology office in San Antonio. Um, Talented in in medical billing and claims. I learned a skill and and had done really well. And um, it, it got torn down quickly Um, he had turned me on to to crack cocaine which um, I I call this stuff devil poop because it's it's satanic I mean it's like an evil force that I don't know who I became on this stuff and as the time proceeded the abuse got worse um, I'm living out of my bathroom now just smoking dope can't function anymore doing lines of what we've got left to make it to work to meet with Medicare representatives to go talk about billing stuff making a new excuse about how I ran into the freaking refrigerator again god I'm such a clutz because of the bruises on my face and life was not going well Um tried to leave him numerous times but but for some reason the hold was there and I couldn't leave so after about two years of doing that, um, I'd lost the job, nothing in the house that would plug in. I mean, i pawned the toaster if they'd take the toaster. Wedding ring gone many times and brought back and gone and brought back. Holes in the walls, bong stains on the floor. I mean, my beautiful outlook that I'd got in this beautiful townhome in San Antonio, and I decorated it from garden Ridge pottery, and everything's gone. We even gave the couches away, everything I had. And the book talks about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. And the girls that I sponsor know that those words, they make me cry because only we know where we've been. Only we know the things we've done in our disease. And thank God for grace and mercy that I don't get what I deserve for what I've done. Um, But by the time this part of my life ended, I had a knife to my wrist because I couldn't quit drinking, couldn't quit smoking crack, couldn't get away from this man, and I would rather die than continue and of course i'm i'm too chicken to do it and ended up running to my mother instead and and telling her okay this is what he's been doing this is what we're doing i didn't say crack cuz i didn't want to freak her out too bad i said cocaine then she then she'd think i was just snorting it socially <laughs> um, and so and so i tell her the what's going on my stepfather rushes in they haul me off in the middle of the night to treatment in center point texas and My struggle before I left, I just wanted one more beer before I went, because it was like, screw y'all, I'm not going anywhere. And I end up, I mean, the the adrenaline and the strength that I had to have one stupid freaking beer, I wrestled my stepfather, pretty stocky little Hispanic man, and I headbutt him in the back of the head. He had this whelp on it. I mean, insanity. The book says Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Woo! That is me to the core. I'm a sweet, innocent little girl. How could I do these things? But that's what I would become, and um, so they hauled me off to treatment, they don't pack me any clothes, they don't give me anything, um, gave me some clothes out of my mother's Salvation Army bag in the trunk of her car, that's what they took me to treatment with, and I get there and it's it's a hospital, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was thinking these different resort kind of things I'd seen on movies and stuff, and it was not, and I had to deal with hospitals from being in the hospital, for being there so long with my car accident, I didn't like the smell, couldn't stand it. <laughs> And so I'm pissed when I get there, and my stepfather just kind of leaves me. And um, the insanity that was going on in my mind—I there was my roommate was this poor lady that had been coming off years and years of Xanax, and then just the benzo withdrawal is she's just shaking, and she was a rather large woman. Of course, I'm 30 pounds underweight, crack diet, big time, bruised, emaciated, slut clothes from going out the night before. I look great, <laughs> and uh, this poor lady—I I have to tell this story because it's y'all should prob- could probably relate, but she gives me a nightgown of hers because I didn't bring anything. And it's this Christmas flannel plaid with eyelet lace. And I hold my arms out and it hits the floor because I'm just, you know, sunken in, eating a, eating a cheeseburger probably in a week and that's it. And uh, I've got these skunk slippers on that came from my mom's trunk. You're getting the visual. I'm on the detox meds. So I'm starting to slow down just a little bit. And I'm walking up and down that hall thinking I look hot. The book talks about self-delusion. And I'm talking big time self-delusion. And I'm looking for a date. I'm looking for my next victim, because here I just left my ex-husband 20, not even 24 hours ago, I got to find something else, now I don't have any dope, any alcohol, I need a man, I need something, and so I got dressed in my gown and my slippers and I went to hunt, I went to find one, and I did, this poor little 19 year old kid, I took him hostage, it was like, you will love me, you know, and he, he showed me some attention, Showed me a little attention, and you know how we go. It's like, oh, it's love. He understands me, and we'd stay up nights talking, and oh, I was going to be sober forever, and this was great. Um, Treatment romances don't work. Don't know if you've heard, but it wasn't really love. It was detox meds or something. So I follow him. You know, because I'm going to take care of him now, and and he needs me because of my my skills that I'm learning, um, and this codependency. So I follow him to um, to Kerrville because that's the ticket. San Antonio was the problem. I need to move up there, and so I I do that, and and I live in this little halfway house with three other women. Well, one of them's taking um, Lortab all day long, so by the end of the night she's zoning out. One of them's drunk, and the other one i couldn't understand anyway I, I don't know what she was on, so this was my safe house that I got out of treatment and went to and so the treatments center I went to didn't give me this this book didn't give me this solution they they didn't even open it except for to read stories in the back of the book and it's like Grr. I didn't know anything about the 12 steps, couldn't even tell you what they were, but I got to this halfway house and I opened this book and I I turned to page, is it 86 and 87 that has all the great 9 step promises that if you're painstaking about this phase of your development and I'm going, oh, this! look at all this crap that's going to happen to me. And so I write it beautifully (laughs) on calligraphy and this beautiful stationery and I put it on the wall and I sit and I wait for them to happen. (laughs) I didn't go to meetings, I didn't get a sponsor. I only went to the men's halfway house meeting because they had men there. And what do you know? It didn't work. I'm not getting sober. I'm not getting the internal condition treated. I'm miserable. I'm pissed. Here I am now in Kerrville, Texas. My mother brought up a trash bag full of clothes. And that's all I had now to show for 25 years of my existence. My ex-husband had thrown clothes in there and said, give it to her. And I wanted to cut ties with him and run. And so that's all I had. And I'm miserable. I'm going, if this is what sobriety is about, this sucks. I don't want it. And, you know, relapse begins way before that first drink, and my mind just started kicking in. That, that mind-blowing obsession would not stop, because I needed something to treat what was going on. And I remember looking in the mirror the day I was going to relapse, and I had it all planned, and I was going to drive to San Antonio so no one in town would know, because Kerrville's quite a big recovery town, and it sucks to drink there, because it's like, oh, where, I had to go to Bandera to go buy beer. I'm not kidding. I would do that. And so I look in the mirror, and I said, girl, you can drink just don't smoke dope that was your problem I've got scars on my face from what alcohol did to me at 17 and I didn't even think that cunning baffling and powerful this disease it blows me away and of course that night I'm doing dope you know I mean it they go hand in hand it never worked I tried that experiment over and over again if I just drink wine coolers I won't do cocaine nope oops every single time I would go back so Okay, exit the treatment boy. He leaves because uh, he drank. What do you know? We both got loaded. What a strange idea. Um, and enters my now husband. By the way, I divorced Satan, my ex-husband. I divorced him. <laughs> While he was back in the penitentiary, he went back again, and I thought that would be a good time to serve him with papers. So I divorced him, and just in the time that I'm legally divorced, enters my husband now. and. Um, he was in relapse and I was in relapse he lived at the men's halfway house see it paid off to go to those meetings <laughs> and chronic I've been trying to get sober since he was 18 and his drug of choice was alcohol and crack cocaine so it was love it was beautiful we were you know what a deal he could take me to the hood with him didn't have to lie where he was going I'd go with him. it was like okay let's go and um, thus began a, a four month binge that um, the book talks about it gets worse never better and um, that was definitely my experience um you know, here my family's hope had been re-lifted in me and I and uh they thought that things were gonna be different now and, and so not only did I, I disappoint that, by the way they hired me at that treatment center I went through because I was such a model patient, I was gonna stay sober forever. So they hired me to do the medical billing out there. ha <laughs> ha after a month of working there, I relapsed and the phone calls start coming. Oh, my grandmother died again. I can't come in. You know, all the excuses that we use. Uh, the car broke down. I, well, you don't even have a car, Alicia. Well, somebody's car. The insanity began and here I am having contact with patients and they're going, Alicia, how do you do it? How do you stay sober? And here I am, reeking of alcohol, grinding my teeth from being up all weekend. And it's like, it's great. Uh, Yeah, come try it. And it was just this double life. The book talks about it. We're an actor. We don't want you to know what's really going on. And that's what I was doing. I had all my lies in place. And um, after four months, though, I couldn't do it anymore. And... um, Ended up shooting up for the first time of something I was never going to do. Needles are for me. That was, I was a crack addict. I wasn't a junkie. <laughs> and yet, that's the next never that got checked off my list. And I literally had a list of nevers. that I was never going to do these things. And guys, it's done. I, I was blown away that in, in 26 years of living, you could do all the things you swore you were never going to do. And, um... I couldn't do it anymore, and I I couldn't live like this anymore. And um, I remember Shane, my husband, and I holding each other that last night after a three-day deal and and going, we can't do this. Come on, we got to get some help. And I had no clue what was about to happen to me in this program. I didn't even know what it offered, but I knew I didn't want what I had anymore. And I remember laying on that bed after being up for three days and just looking at the ceiling and going, God, if you're even still there, I need your help. Because this time around, I had all the material stuff. I hadn't lost any of that this time like before. But what happened was the book says I was beat into a state of reasonableness. And that meant I had suffered just enough to where I was willing to surrender and say, okay, I don't care what you want me to do, I'm doing it. And that next night, got to a CA meeting and um, walked in the room and hear these people talking like they've been through some of the stuff I've been but of course I'm so unique you know no one's gone as low as I have and I'm so cool and yet they were talking about these miracles that had taken place and and I, I couldn't believe it these women that have obviously you know been through the ringer and yet they're they're respected in their community today and and have jobs what a concept you know and and they can tell the truth things that I wasn't able to do and um, this woman comes up to me um, Debbie, my sponsor over here, comes up to me at the end of the meeting, and she goes, "Here, you need a sponsor. Here's my number." Kind of same thing Karen was talking about happened to her. I guess God knew that we were a little stubborn, and probably would have waited a little longer. <coughs> and um, that began my journey. Um, the part of my Al-Anon story really picks up here a lot, though, because Shane and I tried to get sober at the same time, and after two months of me being sober, he relapsed. And I have. I, I the, my heart just died the day he relapsed because here I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to be on the same path. We're going to be going to the same meetings. We can sponsor couples. I mean I had this great plan, and apparently that wasn't what was supposed to happen. And um, I do the the good things like um, bawl and cry and feel like I was going to die when he had to move out and and um, you know look for him everywhere and call places if they knew where he was because he could stay sober for a couple of months at a time. Um, but then the inevitable will always happen and um, a couple of times kicked him out and had boundaries you know and then now I'm not even using him to fix stuff that's wrong with me anymore and it's like oh, okay come back and I, I remember just doing that to him over and over again and, and probably getting in God's way numerous times by cushioning the fall you know and, and by not letting consequences have to happen because here he can always come running back to me and um, it was insane. But the good thing was, at least on the AACA side, I was doing pretty good on that side. I didn't want you to see just how sick I was on this other side, though. And so I kept that very quiet. Didn't even want to think about it. And people started telling me early on, probably Becky, I just blotted it out, that I needed Alan on right off the bat. If You know, come with us. And it was just, la, 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 too many programs. Uh Uh-uh. Can't even get this one straight. And um, my journey... With the 12 steps in AA and CA um, began, and I was real clear on step one um, because I knew there were times that I'd, I drank and did dope even when I didn't want to, that I did it in tears before even having it in my body, and I knew that that meant that something was wrong, and I find out later it's because I don't have the power of choice, that I'm, I'm different like that, that that even though I don't want to be doing this, I'm going to do it anyway, even though I swore to my family members, even though I almost died in a car accident, even though, even though, even though, even though. I can't just choose to quit given sufficient reason and then they explained the allergy to me that that's why you can't control it you're wired different and it made so much sense and it freed me from thinking I was just a a mental defect and and just maladjusted to life like the book talks about and went on to step two and I had an amazing thing happen in step two because I had always believed there was a God but the God I was raised with at 14, burned my Cindy Lauper and Go Go tapes because they were satanic. So if he didn't like the Go Go's, he sure wasn't going to let me live. <laughs> I was going to burn as well because I was already I was already doing things wrong. And um, so I had to come up with a whole new concept of God because I had known about him this whole time and that hadn't kept me sober. So I had to try to find a different concept. And um, that's what we we set out to do because it it hadn't worked with me in the old one. So, I started picking things like obviously he needs to show grace and mercy, he needs to have unconditional love. He's got to have a sense of humor because I'm whacked and um, it's just on and on, all the positive things that I could think of and and what do you know that's that's what my God has been the whole time, obviously, or I wouldn't be here, but for some reason, my belief system had gotten changed over different things throughout the years that it, oh you're going to hell for doing that, oh duh, I'm already there, you know. So I had to change that concept. And when that came clear, there was such a hope that, okay, maybe there is something out there that can help me with this deal. Um, I remember my first third step prayer, just snot slinging, crying, because my will had gotten me penniless, suicidal, homeless, demoralized. And so to do something to turn my will over to a higher power, it had to be better than what I had. And I had drawn the line that day, just going, I'm crossing over. I don't want to be this person anymore. I couldn't stand the person I'd become. Um, I'm writing the inventories and looking at the truth in black and white at just who I was and what I had done to others and um, this this resentment inventory I was like this is going to be great I've got tons of resentments you know my sponsor didn't tell me what was going to happen in column <clears throat> 4 where you look at your mistakes and I, I remember what a freedom though I had with the one towards my ex-husband Satan I don't want you to get him confused with my husband now so that one was Satan Um, And I remember writing all the stuff down in column two and it just flowing, all the stuff that he'd done to me because there was a huge huge amount of stuff, life-changing things that I truly was a victim of. (laughs) See it flashing? (laughs) Uh, My victim sign. Um, So I write all these things down and I'm like, this is great. Now what do we do? And then, okay, here you're going to write what it affected. And of course it affected all the areas of my life. And now what do we do? Well, here you're going to write your mistakes. (laughs) My mistakes? He hit me. Hello? and and then i just wasn't willing and as i started to see what this was about to do I was like oh great i'm gonna have to let this one go aren't i uh-huh <laughs> pretty tricky how they got me to do that but i was blown away at how much i saw that it was my mistake that i first of all i had signed up for this i had made this decision that placed me in this position i knew he was like this and i signed up for it for my own selfish reasons i knew the game i would play to get him to hit me because he'd have to come back and tell me he'd love me And that was a game that I'd play with him. And so I put myself in that position and on and on and on and on. And I was blown away at the freedom of this resentment because I used to pray for bad things to happen to this man. I hated this man. And the book tells us that these resentments block us from the sunlight of the spirit. And I was willing to get rid of this one, even though I felt I deserved to hang on to it. I was willing to get rid of it because I didn't want to drink or do dope anymore. And I wanted freedom. And I remember when the day came that I made amends to him over the phone, he was like, okay, so, uh, does this mean we're getting back together? And I was like, uh, no, 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 no. Just wanted to clean up my side of the street. I want to take care of things. Thank you. Bye bye. And, um, it was, it was a freeing process though. And, and, um, then the fear inventories, I wrote, I remember I wrote arachnophobia on the page and called Debbie back and said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm scared of spiders. And she said, oh no, I think you missed the point said, right, God, help me see the truth on the top of the page. Pray about it and call me back. And, guys, I had eight pages front and back full of fears. Everything in my life was touched with fear. I was afraid to walk out the freaking door. I was afraid to show you who I really was. I was going to continue wearing these masks and changing who I was to fit just a chameleon wherever I'm going to be so that you will like me. Again, my Al-Anon stuff just budding, getting ready to bloom as soon as I'm ready to walk in the doors. Um... And it was a real freeing deal because the book tells us that we're on a different basis now. If you're trusting God now, fear's got to go because either God's everything or He's nothing. And um, that was a cool experience. And the sex inventory, the the stuff that I didn't want anybody to ever know about. And I remember when we did the fist up and we get to the end and we're about to do the sex inventory, I'm just shaking. Because this was the stuff that only me and God knew about. And here you're telling me you want me to tell you. I don't even know you. You could be a blabbermouth. This could be in the paper. I didn't know. But I was willing, again, to go to any lengths. And so I spilled these beans. And thank God at the end of it, she goes, Oh, that's nothing. Listen to this. And and it just blew me away with that I was not alone. I was not the only deviant, demoralized person out there. There was a few of us out there. And um, then at the end, because the book says we illuminate every dark cranny of the past. And I remember we got done with it. And she says, "Okay, is that it? Is there anything else? And that one secret that I was going to the grave, just went, ding, 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 and I'm shaking, doing my fingers like this, going, nope, that's it. (laughs) Body language screaming, yes, pull it out of me, quick, please. But I wasn't going to tell anyone this. But again, I remembered who I was. Before I got to the program and I didn't want to be that person anymore if there was a chance this would keep me in this disease I wasn't willing to do it and so I I said okay there is and I told her and again God's able to use her to show me that I'm not a bad person because that happened to me or because I did that that there, there are reasons that whatever it might be but just freedom and the book says you're, you can look the world in the eye you're alone at perfect peace and ease and man all this blockage all this junk was gone and what a cool deal. And then I'm going to get to go make amends for the stuff that I saw in fourth column. This program was incredible. And as I'm doing such great work on the AA and Alan, or sorry, CA side over here in Alanon world, um, <laughs> I am sick. I am insane. Um, she was talking about these these wrinkle marks on the forehead, and and the she's the one that told me this joke. But they're not really wrinkle marks. It's from me looking at the blinds, watching for him to come home, because I they're still not laughing. Okay, you get it? You know how the blinds are there? Not like I'm doing dope looking out the window. I'm looking for him. Because for some reason, I felt that if I stared at the window, his car would come home faster. And hours, I would sit there, crying, bawling, sick to my stomach, migraine headaches, biting my fingernails, (laughs) falling apart. And yet, I'll go to a meeting, and I'll tell you, God do everything, or he's nothing. You know, and I'm, I'm working this great program on this side, and yet this side, I'm dying. But I still wasn't willing. Still wasn't ready. And... Shane was in and out of my life for numerous times um, and as I'm continuing getting stronger it's like I'm not as I'm God's coming into my life more because of the program I'm not okay with some of the behavior I'm doing on this other side like the manipulation and the games I'm playing with Shane it's the God consciousness that has begun inside me it's just not okay anymore to be doing this and and yet I continue to do it and um, but I, I finished the steps, and I, I get to that 12th step, and man, guys, this is where the light came on for me. This is where my car accident, the abuse, all the things I had been through made sense. Why did I have to go through these things, God? Because I had asked him numerous nights in tears, and my self-pity pot. why me? The reason was because I was going to sit across the table from another dying alcoholic and crack addict, and I was going to carry this message of hope to her, and her light was going to come on, and I now have the power to do something. i got the power to help others and my insanity my past my story was going to be used to change a life and guys I can't tell you finally finding out after all these years why all this pain had to happen God had a plan and because I got so way off the page there was a lot more consequences that I had to suffer but that was my own action but he got me to the place where I was recovered from this disease the obsession to drink or do that was absolutely gone and I was free I could walk into a, a place to pay for my gas and not freak at the beer aisle just go. oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? I can't move. <laughs> that would be misery if that's what this thing was about. And that's what I thought, that I would have to fight this obsession forever, but that was so not true. And so now I get to carry this to other women and it became my passion. It became the void filler that, that I'd always been looking for. And my first year of sobriety, I would try to sponsor people that weren't even drinking. I mean, it was like, do you want? Have you heard about AA? Come here, come over here, come here, come to this meeting. Do you want to do this? Come on. I was so on fire for what this gift was that I'd been given, and um, you know, some stayed sober and some didn't. And um, we always say, but we stayed sober, you know. And I remember the first girl I sponsored that relapsed. I being so important, took it so personal that I was so powerful that it was my fault. You know, that that I hadn't carried the message right and poor me and all this and the truth was I stayed sober and the book says that nothing is gonna ensure immunity for me drinking or doing dope than helping another person. And if I'm helping someone else with their problems and their stuff, you know what? I'm not thinking about mine anymore. And mine were continuing to pile up with the Al Anon side over here. <laughs> and it was almost something that that Kept me out of myself just long enough so that I could help someone else and then I'd get back home and, you know, he's missing again or, or the checkbook's gone or this and the drama continues on this side. And the, the these two worlds were about to collide really soon. I knew that because I couldn't go on like this for very long because the things that were happening to me because of this untreated Alanonism can we call it that? We'll, <laughs> we'll call it that. All right. It's a new term for the evening. Um, I was having the spiritual malady begin to return. Because I'm obsessed on Shane's obsession. I'm obsessed on what he's thinking about, where he's going, what is he doing, what meetings he's going to. And I'm going freaking crazy trying to control the uncontrollable. This disease of alcoholism and drug addiction. If I just wore this, maybe that would help him. If we, if I just did this and I smiled this, if we did this three times a week, I won't tell you what this was. But <laughs> if I did this, maybe that would do it. That would make him happy enough so that he'd stay sober. I knew about this disease. You know, God bless the 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 wives that come in that have no clue because they're learning something brand new. I have the same freaking disease. And yet I thought if I did something different, he'd stay sober. And the losing battle that I fought, I'd get more discouraged and more depressed each time because it didn't work and it didn't work. And um, it was just going crazy. And um, one of the times he was in treatment, I, um, I find out that I'm pregnant. <laughs> and, you know, when I was married to Satan, ex-husband, we're going back, remember? I used to think that if I just got pregnant, I'd quit drinking and I'd quit doing dope and everything would be better. He'd quit hitting me and it's my heart's desire. Come on, God, give it to me, give it to me. I always wanted to be a mommy. Why won't you let me get pregnant? And I got pissed many times. Poor me. I've ruined my ovaries from all my... I mean, all these things that i made up, these excuses. And the truth was, it wasn't God's time. Hello. And I'm grateful for that because that child would probably be gone to CPS by this time because I couldn't quit drinking or doing dope for anything. And I'm thinking that getting pregnant is going to stop it. So God knew that at two and a half years sober, when I'm connected to him, the miracle was going to happen. Now, this miracle took place when I'm living in a garage apartment and the father is in treatment. So I was kind of like, oh, no, uh-uh, I can't handle this. No way. And God was like, hello, would you just listen to me and see what I'm going to do here? And... Um, you know all these panicking thoughts about what to do with the pregnancy my parents i'm supposed to be married i'm not married all these fears just gripped me what if i smoke too much in the i don't even know how far along i'm pregnant and just insanity just gripped me for so long that i didn't even enjoy the fact that oh my god i'm gonna bring another life into this world and god's blessed me with this because i've gotten sober and fear just continued to grip me. What if Shane doesn't stay sober? What if he's not around for the baby? What if I'm a single mom? What if, Well, what if, Alicia? Maybe God's going to take care of you. But when we're gripped with fear like that, sometimes it's hard to see the light. And um, God knew what he was doing. Because, man, the pregnancy went absolutely perfect. No problems. Shane didn't stay sober worth a hoot. But the baby and I did fine. And um, he was there for the delivery. That was always one of my fears. Um and this precious 8-pound, eight 8-ounce, eight 20-inch-long, perfect-headed, because he was C-section, no cone head, um, perfect-headed baby came out. And, my God, I've never realized what love feels like until you look at something like that and just go, huh. And for someone like me, who'd done all the things I'd done, and God loves me this much, oh, my God, I was blown away. And at the moment, looking into that child's eyes, just kind of knew that, I don't care what we go through after this this is this is mine this is me and you we're going to walk through this together and um, what a joy his name is Ethan and um, I'll email you mail you send you posters whatever you want he's precious I want to show you to him he's 21 months now Um, but okay so the the baby comes I'm two and a half years sober I've got Postpartum depression going on. I've quit sponsoring all the women I'm sponsoring because I had been 50 pounds pregnant and miserable and leave me alone. I'd quit going to meetings. The baby comes out. The joy of the baby is there. He's home now though with me and Shane's not staying sober and I'm crawling out of my skin. I can't stand it when I see him and, and mind you, He's a sweet enough addict that he just leaves for days at a time. He doesn't ever bring anything to the house. What a, he's a gentleman in that sense. <laughs> ah, but <clears throat> when he would come home, I mean, I would just cringe. I hated this man. And I find out later when I get in Alan, I don't hate him at all. I love him. He's my best friend. There's a reason I married him, which I did, by the way. at nine months, eight months pregnant. It was another cool sight. It was better than marriage number one though. I'll put it that way. Um, but, anyway i find out later that it was a disease i hated so much in him it, it was not him because i truly had we are best friends we have tons in common i have so much fun he makes me laugh like no one else and yet he's gripped with this disease and there's something that keeps him from keeping that ego at bay and staying humble and um so i'm, I'm miserable though at this point and hating him totally blocked from god and all of a sudden the thought crosses my mind that how come he gets a smoke crack and i don't oh don't That is not a good thought to have (laughs) at two and a half years sober with a two-month-old child laying in the crib next to you. And yet the baffling feature of this disease is I've got two options. I'm either going to die the alcoholic addict death or I'm going to live on a spiritual basis. And after so much time of not living on a spiritual basis and cutting off some of the ties I had to this fellowship, I put myself in a position that was not cool. And I had about a window of of, of a minute (laughs) to sit at this crossroads and go, Okay, we're either going left or we're going right left would be what I know very well and right would be getting on my knees real quick begging to get me reconnected begging for this connection to start flowing and that's what the grace of God took me to was my knees and um, that next day there were five women in my life that needed help either at my door or on the phone and the book says it helps in in trials and low spots that, that helping others is gonna save you and this is totally true for me guys it pulled me out of myself I got reconnected, the light flowed in flowed in, can we say that? The light came in and flew out. And I was able to help people. And what do you know? I'm I'm back on the path. And it was just something that quickly that got me going, Oh, okay, wait, let's get reconnected. Let's do what we need to do. And um, so I did that for a while. But the insanity continues. Shane goes away for treatment for, for four months last year. And um, you know, I moved from a two bedroom, two bath house back into that garage apartment I'd gotten pregnant in And I, I just gotten hired at a treatment center in Hunt, working part time, doing medical billing from home also just to try to make ends meet. And here he goes off to treatment and I'm left once again because if he's not in my life, as sick as this sounds, I don't know what to do because I'm so enmeshed in him and in his disease. I don't know where he's, he begins, he ends and I begin because we're, we're just like that in this, both of these diseases. So, That was the time when I decided to maybe go up to Becky and go, okay, what time are the meetings? (laughs) Because I was going to start my Al-Anon journey now. And um, I had heard so many rumors about Al-Anon being just a husband bashing, you know, and uh, (laughs) this and that. I'm sure it's the same in Al-Anon as it is in AA. There's some good meetings and there's some bad meetings. And and God knew exactly where to direct me to because these these women were big book thumping Al-Anon people that, that loved alcoholics and drug addicts. And when I read in there that it says the goal is to try to help me encourage and support the alcoholic, it was like, huh? That's why I laughed when she read that. It was like... Do you know how hard that is when you haven't seen him for three days? And it's like, honey, I would like to encourage you at this time to get the hell out. <laughs> I was like, how is this going to work? Because I'm angry, I'm full of hate and rage, and I'm supposed to encourage and support. <laughs> but they had found something that I didn't have. And, and just like the alcoholic's miracle is, is sobriety and the lifting of the obsession, the Al-Anon's miracle is, is peace and serenity, whether the, whether the alcoholic is drinking or not. And I couldn't even put my mind around that one. It was like, you're telling me that this is going to help me be okay. Whether my husband stays sober or not, it just didn't seem possible. And so he was gone for four months, and um, I, I continued to go and got connected. My son and I were taken care of. God got me full time out there at, at the treatment center in Hunt, doing what I love to do. I, did, I get to help alcoholics and drug addicts and try to carry this message. And um, things are going well and then he comes home from treatment (laughs) and i find out now after talking to a therapist apparently that i'm a love addict also it's like oh great just give me another one why don't you so where do i go for that one (laughs) but luckily the solution is the same for all these different deals because what apparently happens to me is on my own i flourish i'm successful i have money in the bank i do well but enter the man huh and who am i what do you want i'll do anything from this this strong-willed woman (laughs) into just a mashed potato I mean it's just where did that come from I don't know but you get the point I'm not quite as strong anymore and so we came back and we thought this was it he'd gone to a literally a last house on the block they called it a mistreatment center instead of a treatment center because it was um, state-funded and it was like an AA boot camp and it was they made you think you were a piece of crap and you're no good no one wants to talk to you and it was very humbling for him and that's that's what he needed and so he gets back and the thought was to let him go to Phoenix to extended care to just kind of better this deal But of course I wasn't willing for that to happen because that's so far away And he's going to be just fine and he'll just come right back with me. Thank you very much And he wasn't just fine And I proceeded to watch him the, the, we can't be complacent in this deal and the alcohol and drugs is a subtle foe And it's I, I watched him slowly start going back and back and I did everything in my power by scheduling his meetings to, what are some other good ones? I don't know. I was I was going to make sure he stayed connected. <laughs> and, um, and it didn't work. And I remember the night that he relapsed after having a... He had been gone. He had about 60 days or 90 days at this time, which was a fairly long stint. And uh, he relapsed. And I remember screaming and crying at God, going, where the hell were you? I was pissed. I was angry at God. Okay, let's look at this for a second. Here's the God that's... Kept me sober, saved me from the woman I used to be, and yet I hate him. I'm angry because he won't keep my husband sober. <laughs> I was a little mixed up here, and um, started to see that obviously it has nothing. It has something to do with God. The book says God couldn't would if <laughs> he were sought. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. When we honestly sought him, he showed up. We've got to do something in order for his power to be displayed. And and some reason Shane wasn't just he wasn't doing that stuff. And um, a couple more months of getting just in turmoil and hating him, and the insanity began. And so I re get connected over here because of course I was cured. He was gone, so I was very healthy. And then when he returned, you know that alienonism continued to get worse. And um, I just, I I couldn't understand this. I knew all about this disease, and yet I couldn't understand why he wouldn't get sober. Doesn't he know how great our life will be if only he'll get sober? Ha-ha. <laughs> and all these plans and designs that I had for him and, and trying to control things, hiding the checkbooks, hiding the keys, sitting up late at night at worry, and you know, not sleeping before I had to go to work, snapping at my poor precious child who has nothing to do with this. And when that kind of stuff started happening, it was like, uh-uh. I'm not going there what am I doing and I guess if there's a bottom in Al-Anon it was also my my spiritual experience that I had there he was it was gone for this for more than long more than usual one time and I just had this gut in my stomach that he was dead this time because he called me twice and some reason hadn't made it home and that just wasn't normal. And after crying a lot and calling the hospitals and the jails and all the good stuff that we do, like that's going to do anything if we finally find out where they are. But I had stayed up doing that the night before. Then the next night when he still wasn't home, there was no TV, there was no music, there was no nothing. The baby went to bed and me and God sat there. And I was like, all right, God, if this is what it takes to get me to my knees, to get me reconnected to you, then I'm grateful for this tragedy. I'm grateful for whatever's going on here because I need you. I need you to draw sober breath I need you to stay sane I am nothing without you and the humility just kind of washed over me again that without this power in my life I don't live and I remember just sobbing and it wasn't tears about Shane it was about me and God it was getting reconnected with me apart from Shane and um, I remember I shared this last night in the meeting I I remember thinking my God he's dead this time excuse me and I thought If he died, would I stay sober? And I pondered that for a moment. And then little devil side came up and said, hell no. Perfect excuse. Everyone would understand. You've been sober long enough. You know, how could you make it through that? And then the angel side, thank God, took over quick and said, yes, you would. And you'd bear witness to God's power. And you would blow people away with your story of what God had done and what God had walked you through. Because the third step says, take away my difficulties. That. uh Aha. That victory over them will bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, love, and thy way of life. And what I thought the first time I said it, that meant, yeah, take away my difficulties. Give me money, give me a new car. No, what that meant was God was going to walk me through the fire. And I was going to come out on the other side. And this power that had saved my life was going to blow me away one more time. But this peace washed over me that I was okay if he was dead. And that's when the serenity finally, truly began to take place. And the principles that I'd been learning in Al-Anon and the stuff that Becky had talked to me about and the stuff I'd heard in the meetings, finally, all will make sense. That whether the alcoholic is sober or not, or dead or not, I'm going to be okay. And what a peace that was because I'd never been okay, just just me. There was always going to be something to try to fill that void inside. And... Um, he did come home he was not dead and it was kind of this weird opening of the door just going hi you're not dead cool I was alright if you were <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me and I, was, I wasn't all freaking out panicking crying it was just this hey you're not going to be able to stay here your bag's over there glad you're alive bye bye and woo, like ah that didn't hurt so bad <laughs> there was some freedom there and I got in bed and I went to sleep I didn't have to stay up all night didn't have to freak out And the power of what Al-Anon has to offer just really came full circle. Um, Because on my own power, in that disease, I'm a basket case. I have headaches. I've got bleeding fingernails from chewing them so much. I've got ulcers. I've got... This is what Alicia gets on her own power, trying to control her husband's disease. And so on God's power, I've got peace and serenity and the power to say, I love you, but this is not okay with me. And... um, his journey continued and now he ended up um, going away again for a while and but it was cool this time it wasn't like you've just taken the other my other half it was like bye ethan and i'll be fine you know let's see what happens and and trust me i get i get tons of criticism i get tons of opinions i get tons of things that people tell me i should do with my husband and um and thank god that i don't listen to all of them because he would have been killed a long time ago because Poor guy, I shouldn't say poor guy, but he struggled for getting sober for so long that people have seen him now as Alicia's husband and Ethan's dad. They forgot he's a dying alcoholic and a drug addict. They forget he's our brother in this fellowship and they look at him with those eyes instead. And um, I know the miracle's going to come for him. I know the day is going to come that either he will die from this disease or he'll get this deal because that's just the way it happens. And um, I, uh, I married him in sickness and in health. And for me, this is a disease and this is a sickness. Now, I can learn how to protect myself so I don't get affected by his disease anymore. And I can continue getting strong in that sense. But I truly love this man. And that was the other miracle that happened in Al-Anon. was that it showed me how to love him again and look at him with compassion. And cry with him before he left. Before he went away this time, we had the best three days we've ever had in our life. You know, the selfishness of this disease kept him from being the man I know he wanted to be in this marriage. He's an incredible father when he's able to be there. And it it just broke my heart that this disease had him gripped in such a way that he couldn't be the man he wanted to be, just like I couldn't be the woman I wanted to be. But the weekend before he left, we knew we were going to separate and he could be gone for a while. And it was just telling each other everything. That we've ever thought about each other.
1: And it was like God was finally there at the center of this relationship. Because he was doing something different and seeking God, and he was humble at that time, and I was
0: doing what I needed to do through Alan on and through my other fellowship. And it was a a union that we hadn't had in four years of being together. Um I love this man. And I love Al-Anon and I thank you to Al-Anon for giving me that love for my husband back because I thought I hated him and that wasn't what it was at all. Um, Because of both these programs, I can be an incredible mother. I mean, I am just a freaking kid with this child and he's got this gut-wrenching laugh that is hilarious and I will tickle him and make it just, I don't care how stupid I have to be. And, and my sponsors in his life, and, and it's like Granny Deb, you know, just loves him. My mother got sober. She has a little over a year sober in AA in San Antonio. So she can be the grandmother she's always wanted to be. And it's just God doing too, blowing me away. And it's because I surrendered and I said, Alright, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to not be the old Alicia anymore. And because that day came, and I did whatever my sponsor, anyone asked me to do, my life has changed. Then when the day came for me to say, all right, I surrender and I walked into Al-Anon, what do I need to do? And I did the things Becky suggested for me to do. I I looked at Shane in a different light. I quit putting expectations on him because he wasn't capable at that time of doing the things I expected and and took action. The book says, faith without works is dead. I can have faith all day long that there's a God out there and he's strong, but if I don't do the work required, nothing's going to change. I love sponsoring women. I just recently took three women through the Al-Anon, up to the 4-Step in Al-Anon. It was like, whoa, this is weird. I'm getting a little too healthy. (laughs) Um, But guys, there was a 68-year-old. I I helped these two women up to the 4-Step on a Saturday. Then on Monday, they brought their mother-in-law, who's 68 years old, and she's crawling with alcoholics. I mean... Everybody in her life, eight brothers and sisters, a mother and a father, four of her six children, cousins, and she is a control freak. And man, for a 68-year-old woman to cry in a third-step prayer because she's excited that she didn't have to be this way anymore and that there's peace and freedom and there can be serenity in her head, it was amazing. And I just new with this Al-Anon deal it was like. What am I going to tell them? But I knew exactly what to tell them because I'd experienced now and just how crazy I could be and what God had done because I surrendered an Al-Anon just the same. And, um, it's a blessing. It's a gift from God. It's, it's absolutely a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I shared today in the meeting how that uh, counselor asked me, why are you not enjoying life? And, um, I really have to look at that because I think, I, I am enjoying life. I, I like to put on shows sometimes because I'm a very good little actress that things are so tough and, and oh oh my gosh, how am I gonna make it through this one? Um, but I always do and God always does and that's my truth that I know. I don't care what it is. He's gonna walk me through it. I should not be alive numerous times. I should I should be dead as I'm sure each one of us in the room should be. And and the things that I did in those dark rooms in my disease, I believe God cried because He was right there with me, and not cried because He was disappointed, but cried because His child was having to go through this pain. And that's the God I know today. That's the God I love. That's the God I yearn for. And in the twelve and twelve uh, step eleven says, we need to pray and reach out for this God thing just like we need air, water, and food, huh? And I had to ask myself that, do I seek God with that same kind of desperation as if I were gasping for air? On a good day, yeah. But I need to do it every day and I need to practice it in all of my affairs. And um, thank God it's a growth. You know, it's a thing about growth and, and changing and new experiences. And I'm not the woman I used to be. Huh. Absolutely not. Same thing as everyone shared this weekend. I could usually care less about any one of you. Go, oh, she's too cute. Oh, she would probably want to steal my man. Or, oh, she might have some money I could scam. I would have a plan for each one of you that I was going to manipulate and use. And today, y'all are dancing around singing about, where where, did it go? Grateful, grateful alcoholics. Oh, God, that's going to be on the tape. Um. (laughs) Anyway, I started crying. (laughs) I started crying watching you guys march around the room because just how goofy and silly and we can care freaking less because God has given us life. (laughs) And that's just what this program is about. If you don't like the life you're having, if something isn't working, come try God. Come see what God has planned for you. It's much better than anything you could ever imagine. And I, I just wanted to close with this. Um, I love the chapter vision for you because it starts off with the, the hideous four horsemen that we know so where where so well. Terror, frustration, bewilderment, and despair and oh my god, those were a daily deal. Oh my god, where's the money gonna come from? Oh my god, what did I do? Oh my god, I can't breathe. I'm having a mode and I, ah constant, constant voices going on. And so it starts with that and then says, um, we've shown you how we got out from under. You say I yes, I am willing, but I might be Consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Huh. Yes, you can come skip around and sing with us. <laughs> yes, there is a substitute. And it's vastly more than that. It's the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, Cocaine Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship and so will you. How is it to come about, you ask? Where am I to find these people? You're going to meet these new friends in your own community. Near you, alcoholics are dying helplessly. Like people in a sinking ship. If you live in a large place, there are hundreds. High and low, rich and poor. These are the the future fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Among you... Among them you will make lifelong friends and I think that's what happened this weekend people We don't know come from different walks races and towns and it didn't matter You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties for you will escape disaster together and you will commence shoulder to shoulder Shoulder your common journey then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive and rediscover life You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself And that's the crux of this whole deal, guys. I mean, that that for me is what's made all the difference in the world. I'm going to care about you so that God will take care of me. And it's worked for four years now. And I'm going to bet that it's going to keep working if I keep doing this. You know, from from sitting here last night looking around going, What am I doing here to tonight? I mean, psychic change has taken place. <laughs> I was thinking thinking this was kind of a strange deal, but but God bless each one of you and I've I've enjoyed talking to some of you and, and listening to your struggles and, and some of the things. And if, if there is anything I can do, um I'd I'd love to help. I'm just honored to be here. Thank you, Becky, for having me speak. Thank you for Alan on God. Thank you for AA and C A. Thank you for a new life. Thank you.